0: Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience podcast. This is your host, Sarah Heater. And recently in the Facebook group, I made a post asking if you could ask me anything and have me address it on a podcast, what would you ask me? And this episode is one of those questions. Today's question is coming from the Facebook group from the listener named Jen. She asked a couple of questions, and I wanted to kind of chit-chat about some of these. This is kind of just my thoughts and opinions about this, not necessarily like a super structured, organized uh, response on this topic. So if you want me to do a dedicated resource specifically about anything that you hear in this, definitely let me know. But let's talk about it just conversationally. So one of the things I want to do with this um, kind of series of Ask Me Anything is if we were sitting down at coffee or if we met up for for lunch or something and we were just chit-chatting Girl Scouts, this is how I would respond. Okay, so Jen asked, maybe tips on keeping younger troops engaged and on task during a meeting? I like to use the quiet sign or call and response to get their attention. How often should there be a physical activity between more sit-down tasks, ideas for arrival activities for girls who get there early, what to do when some scouts finish an activity earlier than others? So, I want to talk about some of this stuff. First, Jen shared that some stuff that works really well for her with keeping younger troops engaged and on-task during a meeting and kind of just managing the group environment, she mentioned the quiet sign and call-in and response. So if either of those two concepts are new for you listening, I want to just explain what she means by that first of all. The quiet sign, (laughs) there's kind of two versions that are popular, but the more popular version, I think, in Girl Scouts is to hold up the Girl Scout hand sign, which is essentially holding up your three fingers, um, your three middle fingers, so not your pinky or your thumb, but holding up your three fingers in the air and pushing those three fingers together. That's the Girl Scout hand sign, by the way. Um, or the Girl Scout sign. So we use this for a lot of things, but holding it up in the air, almost like if you don't know what I'm talking about, almost like if you've seen the Hunger Games when they hold up their fingers in the air in like solidarity. Um, It's kind of like that. You like hold up this Girl Scout hand sign up in the air and you just say nothing and you just wait. And as girls notice that you are doing this, they get quiet and they also hold up the hand sign. Now you are going to have to explain to them what it is, but generally speaking – When the girls are crazy or out of control, that's a really common way in Girl Scouts. And they'll notice this if they're at larger group events or multi-troop events or like service unit or council events, possibly even at summer camp, things like that. Girls might witness this in action outside of your troop. So it's a good thing to like kind of have in your back pocket and introduce to your troops so they know what it is. So you hold up the hand sign and you just wait. And then as they notice, they'll start doing it. And you'll notice that girls, as they notice, they'll hit the girl next to them in the shoulder like, hey, we're supposed to be doing this. And then they'll both get quiet and put their hand signs up and it just kind of spreads that way. And it's, it's kind of funny. But it is very effective. So that is one. And it works for all ages for sure. Definitely the energetic hitting each other to push each other to put the hand sign up is more popular with the younger girls to see that kind of reaction. But Older girls will respond to this. Even rooms full of adult volunteers respond to this. So this is just kind of a universal, respectful way to get people's attention. Instead of trying to yell over the noise, you just sort of put up the hand sign and wait. Um, So the quiet sign. Another version of that is to just put up all five fingers together together. So I think that's probably more common from like classroom environments and school environments that they're not necessarily using the Girl Scout hand sign. They just put up all five fingers in the air and just wait. And um, again, it's the same kind of thing where I think generally speaking, this is all five fingers pushed together to like indicate that this is different than just like waving or something. Um so some people will do the quiet sign that way, but generally speaking in Girl Scouts, we do the Girl Scout sign. But it could be either one is totally fair and fine. Um, So that's one, one really, really solid option that you can definitely use uh, with your troop. And I do highly recommend it because, like I said, they're going to experience this outside of your troop anyway if they're going to multi-troop events or like larger Girl Scout community events. So the other thing that Jen mentioned that she likes to use is call and response. And she actually gave an example where maybe she would say something like, hey, Girl Scouts, and then the girls respond, hey, what? And um, there's all kinds of call and responses that you can do. You can find all kinds of funny ones online. I'm in a couple of like teacher Facebook groups because there's a lot of overlap between classroom management and troop management. And so I'm in a bunch of – like teacher and educator Facebook groups or just Facebook groups where a lot of teachers hang out. And I know a lot of teachers use call and response in their classrooms. So there's tons of fun ones that you can find online because teachers share resources like leaders share resources. But also it's going to be something that's going to be familiar to your girls who are attending a school outside of the home, right? Because this is something that's really common in classrooms. So they've experienced it before, Girls can even help you, especially as they get older and they have experienced a bunch of them throughout their lives. They can even help you come up with one specifically for their troop that you guys all kind of agree on using together in your troop community. And so it can look like anything where the person who's trying to lead the activity or event or meeting uses a specific call and then um, the group as a, a whole responds together. So those were two examples from Jen. I think those are both really common, really solid examples, and they are very, very effective. Some other things that I just kind of want to touch on, and she sort of gets into this, how often should there be a physical activity between more sit-down tasks? So one of the things that I have found really, really valuable is that at some point, and it totally varies by counsel and it also changes over the years, but at some point I took some really effective... Um level specific training that was really geared toward uh the way that different like um the way that different age levels tend to learn now, of course, developmentally, this is gonna vary from person to person, and there's always going to be people who need and deserve our extra care and support because they maybe learn differently or are not <coughs> neurotypical in that in that sense. So, of course, this training was very much based on, like, averages and standards and um, and unfortunately or fortunately neurotypical brains, right? And so understanding that everybody has brains who work their own way and there's lots of reasons why girls may need to have some exceptions to this or whatever, um, acknowledging all of that. There's still obviously like averages and kind of – I hate the word normal, but like the average or expected scenario by age level, right? Like in human development, this is typically how things occur. And I remember that (laughs) – and I did not look up the statistic because again, I'm answering this like if we were to go to coffee together and just having a chat, but – I can't remember the exact amount of time, but it was something like daisies, especially incoming kindergartners, their attention span is literally like seconds. And so sitting and listening to a really long lecture, a whole long list of instructions, um, you know, anything like that that's not interactive is going to be a huge struggle. And I think in general, that gets progressively better over time as girls get older. But essentially what that means is that we need to give our youngest girls one instruction at a time. You want to tell them if you're trying to do an activity or something like that, you want to start with one step at a time. You introduce one step and then you do the step together. Then you introduce the next step and you do the step together. Don't try to give them three things to do at a time. So that's going to help a lot with keeping younger troops engaged and on task is really thinking about that like couple of seconds of attention span at a time. And I cannot remember if it was like, 30 seconds or 90 seconds or seven minutes, or I truly don't remember, but it's really short, right? And so somebody's listening who knows a lot about human development and brain development and specializes in early childhood development or something, and they know what the exact number is, but I'm not trying to spread misinformation. I just have noticed whether that is scientifically proven or not. I have noticed that that is a really effective way to work with the youngest girls is to approach it from that standpoint of wanting to make sure that your activities are really hands-on and that they have something active to do. Another thing that worked really, really well for us was to break up some of the more um, intensive tasks or activities with some general fun movement. So some of the things that we used to do with my troop, with my youngest girls, is um, we would do dance videos w- either when they needed it, like just when we noticed they were getting penned up, or specifically in between activities to break things up, or we would start the meeting that way to get the wiggles out and then end the meeting that way to um, kind of burn off some energy. Whatever, whatever the meeting plan was, we would kind of adapt it. But we would do dance videos. And so at the time, some of the – and of course, it's been a couple of years now. And also, I um, – we started doing this, you know, several years ago. But some of the videos that were really popular with them were, like, the gummy bear song – Uh, That one in particular stands out. They really loved the gummy bear song. And I suspect that girls still would. So there could be something trendy that they would love. There could also be something that used to be trendy, but it was long enough ago that today's daisies will not have heard of it. And we did this with daisies and even sometimes brownies, less so with brownies, but definitely with daisies. We would have them do these like dance videos. We put it up on a projector or a screen or whatever. If you have that technology in your classroom or wherever you're meeting, your meeting room is what I meant to say, (coughs) wherever your meeting is, then you can like put up this video and they can follow along. If you don't have the ability to project a video, it kind of, you can still obviously do it. It just puts a little bit more, I guess, pressure on you to actually lead it. You could do things where girls lead it themselves. And so this kind of gets into a little bit of like dancer badge level stuff, which is brownies. But you could have the girls create a dance together. Um, There's activities to learn each other's names where you stand in a circle and somebody says their name and they do a dance move. And then the next person says their name and does a dance move. And then the first person's name and does a dance move or in reverse either way. And so they work their way around the whole circle and everybody like learns everybody's name associated with a dance move. And so that's something that people do often for a name game but you can do any version of that whether it's with names or um how they're feeling that in that moment or whatever what they love about girl scouts and then they can say a word and also do a dance move to go with it so um it's just a way to have them kind of be active and engaged but also to be physically moving their bodies um <clears throat> Another thing that we used to do a lot with the younger girls in my troop is we would have them run around. And I know that that sounds counterintuitive, but it was actually so helpful and the girls loved it. So um, as much as possible with the youngest girls, instead of having them do a lot of stuff with, um, you know, writing down like a journal entry or um because they're just that's just a lot of writing at that age even answering questions and having to write down stuff it's just it's a lot it's really 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 tough on them especially after a full day of school if you're meeting on a weekday during the school year so we used to do um things where we would either just do an activity to break it up and just allow them to burn off some energy where we would say Run to this side of the room if you like chocolate and that side of the room if you like if you prefer vanilla right, or run to that side of the room if you prefer I was gonna do another food one I don't am I hungry <laughs> I need to eat something before I record um run to that side of the room if you'd rather go to the beach and run to that side of the room if you'd rather go to the snow right and so um sorry that's such a weird expression okay this is two side tangents first i was talking about food and now i'm talking about going to the snow so i live in the desert right for those of you who don't know i live in phoenix in the phoenix area in arizona and i'm not from here i'm actually from pennsylvania and so obviously i grew up getting snow in the winter time and then i moved to the desert to phoenix and we do not get snow but they do in the mountains so i'm in like a valley in phoenix and there are mountains just an hour and a half, two hours away. So during the winter seasons, people talk about going to the snow. And I remember when I moved here that I thought that was such a weird expression and it totally just came out of my mouth without even thinking about it. And I personally find that hilarious. Hopefully somebody listening also thinks that is funny. Oh my gosh, I had trouble saying that. Hopefully somebody else thinks that's funny. I know that's a weird expression. So if you're like, go to the snow, what the heck? (laughs) You understand why I said that. But I was going to say mountains, go to the mountains. And then I thought, I don't know, if you're like dialing it down to little kids speak like beach or snow is kind of easier. Anyways, so sometimes we would just do it as an activity where they run back and forth and we would just have a series of questions. Maybe we're just making them up and coming up with stuff, you know. If you have a brother, run to this side. If you have a sister, run to this side. If you have both brothers and sisters, run forward. And if you have no brothers or sisters, run backwards, whatever it is, right? And so they're running all around, and um, it just gives them a chance to feel like they are asserting their opinions about things, which does matter. Like they get to have opinions, and that actually feeds into girl led and progression with girl led, even though it's not necessarily specific to. What's going to happen in the troop? It's just helping them be able to make choices for themselves and to make opinions for themselves and to identify things about themselves. And it's also allowing them to physically get the energy out of running. And in fact, we found that this worked not just with daisies, but honestly, like even with uh, multi level. In particular, if if I had all cadets, I probably wouldn't have them. Just do this as an activity. Just run around for the sake of running around. It's kind of weird to be like, why are you having us do this? But in a multi-level environment, the cadets were perfectly happy in my troop to run back and forth with the little kids if we were in a mixed-level environment anyway. Anyway, um, the, other th- the other way we would use this sometimes is to make decisions. So... Um, With the girl-led thing, there's so many different ways you can vote on stuff or decide things. But one of the things that we would do, especially with the younger girls or with a mixed-level troop that includes younger girls, is we would have them physically move in order to demonstrate their opinion in making a decision. Because that way, they are physically moving. (laughs) but they're also making the choice and that can be really helpful with young girls instead of trying to have this whole group of like herding cats and trying to get them to stay on task to like pick a troop crest for example in brownies most most daisies aren't doing that although we did in my troop but most most brownies weren't doing or most of the time that starts with brownies and up as we talked about in a previous episode but um, something like that where there's like so many choices and you're really trying to get through all these moving parts and trying to get young kids to stay focused and engaged on that. That can be really tough. And so it worked really well for us to have them physically move in order to make their decision. It made it fun. It made it fun to vote on things. And again, more popular with younger kids, the older Girl Scouts are more likely to just want to, you know, discuss things and make decisions together. (laughs) They can handle that level of maturity and responsibility. Okay, so then um, some other suggestions for keeping troops engaged and on task during a meeting. I think splitting up large groups into small groups is another huge recommendation I can give. So a lot of times if you live in a more populated area, you can end up with pretty large Daisy and Brownie troops and you end up with like 12, 15, 19, 24 girls, and as you get older, those troops tend to get smaller because girls quit and less new girls are joining. But Daisy troops and Brownie troops can grow really, really rapidly, very often. And this doesn't happen for everyone. So if you have a Daisy troop of four girls or five girls or six girls, you're not doing anything wrong. It just is a common thing that happens that when you have a troop in a well-populated area with a lot of girl population and girl interest... And you have a good troop going with parents who are really hooked into the community and know a lot of other parents and they're definitely going to recommend you to other people, you're going to start seeing a lot of people wanting to join your troop. That's really common. So um, you end up with these really much larger troops of younger girls and much smaller troops of older girls when what's funny is... Older girls actually are more likely to thrive in a large group environment, and young girls are actually going to struggle because they need a lot more personalized one on one attention. And older girls sometimes actually prefer less attention like, get away from me, I want to do my own thing, or I just want to find a place that I can shrink into in this group of people, right? And not all. Older girls like big groups. I'm not saying that. Small groups of older girls work really well too and that can actually be a lifeline, a lifesaver literally in middle and high school. So having a small group of older girls is also great, but just meaning older girls can generally handle it and younger girls really need that individualized attention. And so we found that it was really, really effective to split up our large group into smaller groups and that allowed those younger girls to thrive. So Let's say we had 12 girls, um, daisies and brownies, in my troop at one time. That was very normal for us, 12 to 15 daisies and brownies. And um, and maybe they're meeting together in our troop because we had a multi-level. But even if you had 12 or 15 only daisies or 12 and 15 only brownies, this would be really effective. Even juniors, honestly, um, splitting them into three groups of four or five is going to be... Way easier to manage and then rotating among different activities. So, if you have three groups, three small groups, you have three stations, and then the girls are working on a specific activity at each station and they rotate through them. So, the biggest obstacle here is that you definitely have to have adult support for three stations. In that case, I would say most of the time you'd be looking at anywhere from, you know, probably four to six registered background-checked adults who are willing to be hands-on helpers in that environment. Um, If you're all in the same room, you could probably get away with three to four, just depending on age groups and ratios. You have to definitely follow age groups and ratios, um, and it definitely depends on how many total girls are there and all of that. But it's definitely easier if you can have one to two people at each station So um, like five or six volunteers would be a lot more helpful with three stations. And then in each of those groups, you have these small groups of girls. But as much as possible when it comes to physical activity and sit-down tasks, even if it's a sit-down task, allowing girls to stand at the table while they're doing it, they don't have to sit, that is totally fair. Flexible seating is also really helpful if you have the ability to do that. I know a lot of us are limited in where we're meeting and what's available in the meeting space where we are. But this is something that we've seen in younger kids classrooms as well, that students sitting at identical tables in identical chairs for an extended period of time is actually less effective than having different seating options like um, yoga balls and stools and like box-shaped chairs versus... Like regular chairs, whatever, um, just a bunch of different options that girls can kind of um, experience these different ways to sort of, you know, seat their bodies and fidget, frankly, um, different positions they can sit in. Um, girls, young kids in general, but girls in this case, right, um, Girl Scouts, they like to be able to hook their feet around the Legs of the chair. They like to sit on one of their feet. They like to sit cross-legged. They like to sit on their knees. They like to stand up. They, like, they want to be able to physically – they need to be able to physically move their body around and to find these different positions that actually kind of look weird, but it can – Um, actually be really helpful if we lean into it and allow them to have these different ways of, of sitting. If you don't have the ability, which many of us don't, many of us are very limited to what's available in the room where we're meeting. Lots and lots of people are meeting in libraries and classrooms. So you have just identical tables and chairs and that's what it is. But if that's the case, then give girls the option to kick their chair back and stand at the table instead, right? Or gently push their chair back, not like kick it like donkeys, but like push their chair back and stand. And then they can stand at the table while they're working on whatever activity. And even if they're working on an activity, it should be hands on. So don't expect that young girls are just going to sit there and listen to you talk like I am to you right now for an extended period of time. It's just going to frustrate you, honestly, (laughs) like they need to be able to be doing something. Even at restaurants, for as long as we can like collectively as a society remember for the most part, um, it's been decades and decades at this point, that um, restaurants with kids' menus commonly have crayons and a coloring page of some kind. There's something for them to either color or there's little activities for them to do because kids need – that's young kids especially – need that stimulation. And having those kinds of things on the table, whether they're fidget spinners, although, again, you better have enough for everybody because otherwise there's going to be arguing over whose turn it is and -and so-and-so monopolizes it or whatever. So having some fidget spinners or having some activity sheets that they can just kind of trace something or color something, something that's not going to take a ton of their concentration, but that they can be physically fidgeting with while you are talking if what you need to do is talk at them. But in a perfect world the activities that you give them are going to include that kind of stuff. So if you want to talk to them about let's say um let's say you're going through the Girl Scout Promise and you want to talk about the different lines in the Girl Scout Promise and you're trying to help them learn the Girl Scout Promise, right? Which at least the old Daisy program, to be honest with you guys, somebody asked me about the new Daisy program. I ordered it. I don't have it yet. So I pre-ordered it from GSUSA when it first became available on the shop and um, I actually still haven't received it. So I don't know when I will, but once I get it, I will definitely look through it and review it for you. But um But at least with the old Daisy programming, they have these stories, right? And if we're going to sit there and read this story to the girls, which I've heard a lot of mixed things. My girls were always fine with them. They didn't have a problem with them. But there's a couple things you can do if you're going to read to them, whether it's the Girl Scout stories or whether it's um, any other children's book. First of all, letting them sit on the floor in a circle or wherever they want or whatever. Um, That can be really helpful because then they can – we used to do – we would do story time. When we first started our troop, we would do story time where we would read to them and my co-leader would read to them and we would all get in a circle on our bellies on the floor and um, we all like laid down on our bellies so that our heads were kind of all facing inward toward the circle like to make a circle and my co-leader would read on her belly like that to the um to the whole group of us on our bellies. And it was first of all really cute. But second of all the kids just loved it because it was something physical, physically different than just sitting at a table and listening. So um, definitely sitting um, crisscross applesauce or whatever you want to call it on the ground um, cross-legged, that's definitely something that you could do as well. But just letting girls kind of be sort of physically different than just sitting at a table if you're going to be like reading to them or talking to them for a long time. But also, if they are going to be at a table, you can or if they have a hard surface, at least, even if they're on the floor, they could be coloring something related to the story that you're reading. So we read um, a book one Halloween. We read a little like story to them um, about a girl who was dressed up as a witch. I honestly don't even remember what the premise was, but it was some kid's book about a kid dressed up as a witch. And so, for example, giving kids a coloring page where they're coloring a, you know, a coloring page that is a witch, like, that would give them something to do that's related to the story they're listening to, but then they have something to fidget with. That's going to be really helpful. You can also break up activities with those kind of hands-on things. So if you are talking at them or you're trying to lead a discussion where they're doing, trying to do a lot of talking, that's what the older girls love. The older girls love that, like, round table discussion Younger kids are going to struggle if that's the whole meeting. So if you have a roundtable discussion, then give them something, you know, a maze to go from like we're talking about, let's say, um, respecting authority and we're learning about different um, first responders and Let's say police officers are one of them, and then you give them a maze, and it's just a maze, right? It's just a kid's maze, but on the one side is um a police officer, and you have to get the police officer through the maze to get to um the person who who needed help. I don't know that I don't know if that's a good lesson, but you know what I mean, just the point being like it doesn't the activity doesn't actually have to be a lesson it just if it's if you can make a vague relationship to it and it gives them something to do that is going to include motor skills or physically moving their bodies it's going to just help break up those things so just finding those kinds of things um probably less so with daisies but as they get a little bit older like um brownies and up definitely juniors and up word searches can be really good um matching can be good so maybe you have like um three little graphics of police officers um and then and they're all in like different poses and then you have three graphics of police officers that are slightly different like this one um is holding a cell phone this one doesn't have sunglasses on this one you know whatever but they look like they're almost the same and then the girls have to spot the difference or something like that they're not actually in that in that specific like activity they're not actually learning much but as far as police officers are concerned they're not learning much about the the lesson at hand or the badge work at hand but it gives them something to do to break up just sitting and listening to you so those kinds of activities can help a lot with kids, and some of that may take some creativity on your part to actually like create that. But if there are things that would be helpful that you would want to see, like, hey Sarah, can you create activities like that that go with the um, pedals or that go with this specific badge? then put it in the Facebook group or send me an email about it. I will create that resource for you. I don't mind doing that. I would love to do that, actually. If it was going to be helpful for you, I would not mind doing that at all. Like creating a matching thing, a maze thing, a coloring sheet, whatever it is that's going to be helpful to you, you can definitely do that. Also, just in general, coloring sheets as a whole, I do have coloring sheets that are um, available on Etsy. Um, and I have some free ones, but I also have a bunch of like packs that you can buy that are digital downloads you can print as many as you want, tons and tons and tons of pages that are girl scout specific. I was very frustrated that I wanted girls when they would arrive to a meeting early or finish an activity earlier than everyone else, which was the rest of Jen's question. I wanted to have Girl Scout themed coloring pages, and I found that they were very difficult to find. Like, I wanted pictures of actual girls in uniform that girls could color in, and I didn't want them all to just be really simplistic for young kids. I wanted some that would appeal to my older girls, and frankly, even myself, like, sometimes I like to color, and so, uh, especially while girls are working on something or whatever. So I wanted Girl Scout themed coloring pages. I felt like I couldn't find what I was looking for. So I have a ton of them and um, you can definitely find those in my Etsy shop. But if you need the link, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you need the link, I'm going to put it in the Facebook group and I'll also be happy to share it with you if you send me an email or something like that and you just want to see the coloring page um, listings, I can definitely get those to you. Anyways, those are kind of my thoughts about, um, younger girls, keep them on task, keeping them engaged. How often do they need to be physical? And then what are some ideas for activities for scouts who get there early and scouts who finish an activity earlier than any others? So, um, so that's some stuff that they can do. I also, um, of course, if you have the ability to have books on hand that girls can read, you definitely do that. I'm a big advocate. I always was a big advocate for girls socializing. So I had no issues with just like socializing during that time when girls are shy or they don't know each other or whatever. You might need to help with that. And also, if it's disruptive to the other girls who are working on a task, then you definitely have to have some alternatives. But um, but yeah, we were also really blessed that my troop was right next to like on the premises, right outside the door to our meeting room. There was um, like a green space that ended up adding a little bit of light um, playground equipment. And so as long as there was an adult who could see them and they didn't leave that area where adult an adult could see them at all times, Girls could also go run around and play, um, as well if they were finished early. And, and we generally, we were very, it was very rare that we needed to leverage that, but there were times that we definitely leveraged that. So, yeah. Anyways, I, um, I hope that this helps. I think the biggest thing is just keeping in mind that developmentally expecting, especially daisies, to basically come down, da- come in, sit down, shut their mouths, be respectful, and just be on task if you're just mainly talking at them or expecting them to just talk back or whatever and engage in, like, calm, sit down conversation, it's unlikely. That's unrealistic for a group of girls that age. There are some girls who are young who really thrive at that, and a lot of girls are going to struggle, so... We just need to give them some options. And as they start to get older developmentally, some girls are going to reach a point that they have more levels of concentration on um, kind of dialogue driven or writing driven or um, lecture like meetings. Some girls are going to reach a point where they can really thrive in those environments quicker than others. Some girls are never going to thrive in those environments. Some adults are never going to thrive in those environments. And so always kind of keeping that in mind and paying attention to your own, you know, your own group and all of that, that's going to be really helpful. So this is all younger girl oriented because that's what Jen specifically asked. If you want me to talk about older girls, um, definitely ask. I know there's some other questions that have been asked that I'm going to get to that are older girl specific. So I, I know that there's such a cross section who listens to this podcast. We have younger girl leaders that are brand new or that have been in it for a long time, but they specifically work with younger girls. And then we also have people who work all the way to ambassadors. And I think that's really cool. So – all of that exists. All of that is available. And if you, um, yeah, if you're interested in anything else, any other questions, anything like that, please make sure to throw them in the Facebook group. I'm working my way through the questions that are in there right now. And um, and I'll keep going as long as you want me to. This is easy enough for me. And if there's anything in this podcast that you would like a more organized or like research driven, you guys know how much I love the research, if you want me to do a research-driven episode about early childhood development and how that influences Girl Scouts and put the science behind it and some resources and some further reading and whatnot. Um, I'm happy to put together an organized episode – just let me know. You can email me at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. That's girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach me on Facebook at facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast. I'm really trying to make it as easy as possible for you guys to find me. So girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com or facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast. There's a page at that address. And then there's also a link to the group. So, you know, both exist. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week.